0: Welcome to the Photon Control 3rd Quarter 2020 Earnings Conference Call and Webcast. Joining us for today's call are Photon Control's Chief Executive Officer Nigel Hunton and Chief Financial Officer Damien Towns. As a reminder, all participants are in a, in a listen-only mode. The conference call is being recorded today, Thursday, November the 5th, 2020, at 11am Eastern Time. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press a star, then one, on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star, then zero. Before we begin today's call, Photon Control would like to remind our listeners that certain portions of today's conference call may contain forward-looking statements that reflect management's current plans, beliefs, estimates, projections, expectations, opinions, and projections with respect to future events. Any such statements are based on certain assumptions and that subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in this forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements contained in today's conference call are made as of today's date and you should not place any undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. but control does not undertake any obligation to update publicly or to revise any of the included forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as may be required by applicable security laws. For more information on the company's risks and uncertainties relating to these forward-looking statements, please refer to the risks and assumptions outlined in the company's public disclosure. In particular, the company's most recently filed MD&A and Annual Information Form, which are available on the company's website or www.cidler.com. All dollar amounts mentioned in today's conference call are Canadian dollars, unless otherwise stated. I would now like to turn the conference over to Nigel Hunton, the Chief Executive Officer of Photon Control. Please go ahead, sir.
1: Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. I'm Nigel Hunton, Photon Control's Chief Executive Officer, and along with Damien Towns, our Chief Financial Officer, I'd like to welcome everyone and thank you for joining us for our third quarter 2020 results conference call. This morning, & Control released its financial statements and MD&A for the three months ended September the 30th, 2020. I'm pleased to report strong financial results for the third quarter of 2020 that exceeded the high end of our guidance range. Notably, revenues of $16.3 million and record year-to-date revenues of $49.7 million with gross margins of 62% and 61% respectively. Controls' results benefited from the stronger than expected demand in our semiconductor business as the global pandemic accelerated the digital transformation of the economy resulting in revenues being ahead of our guidance. Our strategy of building burst capacity enabled us to secure additional revenue to match the increased customer demand. Our view on the industry in these unprecedented times is that the wafer fab equipment or WFE market has maintained strong and positive momentum and this translated into a record year-to-date performance for photon control in 2020. In addition, the higher sales volumes supported the delivery of margins above expectations as the fixed costs have been held steady and we have benefited from supply chain savings. Hence our results reflect the strength of the semiconductor industry, our resiliency, our people, our operations, our products and our technology supported with a customer-centric culture throughout the organisation. Firstly, I would like to highlight the efforts and dedication of photo control suppliers and employees who achieve this record year-to-date results, especially in such a challenging environment. Our employees continue to display amazing resilience in dealing with the extraordinary circumstances resulting from the global COVID-19 pandemic. I would like to now update you on the three key areas we are focusing on. Firstly, strengthening our underlying core business. We have kept our focus on our core business as a critical subsystem supplier to the semiconductor industry, which we intend to not only maintain, But to also grow. We've continued to meet virtually with our key customers and have maintained new product developments to ensure we meet the needs of our customers and the semiconductor industry. We are continuing to invest in research and development, recruit and develop our engineering talent to enable faster response to customer development requests. Now turning to our growth strategy, firstly new products. A fundamental part of our strategy is to maintain a focus on innovation. I can report that we continue to progress with design wins for prototype and production. In the September quarter, we continue to gain traction for higher temperature probes on deposition processes, with initial shipments to a leading OEM. This is an area we have talked about for future growth and it takes time to move forward from qualification to volume production. And we will continue to invest in product development as this will drive future growth. Secondly, strategic partnerships and MA. I'm very pleased to report that we're seeing continued demand and opportunities following the acquisition of MicroNOR with sales into life sciences, energy, and aerospace sectors. This acquisition was a complementary expansion to Photo Control's offering to customers in the semiconductor and other technology industries. Although not having a material impact on the business, the micronaut acquisition is enabling us to gain exposure and better understanding of these industries. In addition, we are progressing well with a strategic partnership with FISEN's GmbH via the exclusive worldwide license and distribution agreement for fiber Bragg gratings or FPG sensor solutions in the semiconductor industry and a non-exclusive distribution license outside the semiconductor industry. I'm pleased to say that the development activity is progressing well and is on track. Thirdly, prudent capital deployment and use of our cash. The board and I review our capital allocation strategy on a quarterly basis as we determine what is the best use of cash. Currently, the best use of cash is to reinvest it back into the business. In addition to the acquisition of Micronor and the partnership with Fisens, we continue to pursue and evaluate acquisitions and strategic partnerships that will accelerate our growth strategy. We also remain committed in investing in research and development, developing our people, and optimizing our manufacturing capacity to enable 100% on time responsiveness to our customers' demand. Finally, to sum up our view on the industry, the wafer fab equipment is now forecast to maintain positive momentum and growth into 2021. And we believe this translates into a healthy outlook for photon control as we look beyond the record year for photon control in 2020. For the fourth quarter specifically, we expect demand in our semiconductor market to remain strong. And based on our order backlog position and operating plan, we expect it to be another solid quarter with revenues in the range of Canadian $12 million to Canadian $14 million, up 45% year over year at the midpoint of guidance. For the full year, this would translate to a 92% increase over 2019 and a 34% increase on 2018's prior record revenues for the company and the industry, showing significant outperformance against the overall market. Overall, I'm very pleased to see how everyone at Photocontrol is coming together as a team and I'm delighted to be reporting another strong quarter in which our company successfully rose to the challenge of meeting customer demand in the midst of a global crisis. We're excited about the business and continue to leverage our collective expertise and strong balance sheet to ensure the company is positioned to grow well into the future. Before I hand things over to Damien, of his financial review, followed by the q and I want to thank our customers, suppliers, employees, and shareholders for their continued support of photo control. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Nigel, and good morning, everyone. I would now like to take the
2: opportunity to walk through our results announced this morning. We'll start with the financial performance of the company. For the quarter, total revenues were $16.3 million resulting in an 87% increase over Q3 2019, and slightly up from Q2 2020 of $16.1 million. This was the company's second highest quarterly revenue performance to date, just behind Q1 2020 of $17.3 million. Photon's revenues are strongly influenced by the overall capital expenditure and the wafer fabrication equipment market. We are seeing an improvement in the wafer fabrication equipment market led by strong boundary, logic and logic growth and a recovery in memory. Photon's year-over-year growth continues to significantly exceed this underlying improvement in the WFE market. We believe this has been enabled by our new product introductions which remain between 25 and 30% of quarterly revenues, gain in market share, and inventory build in order to prevent supply chain disruptions that were mentioned in our Q2 earnings call. We're continually looking for areas to grow our underlying revenue base and products, whether this is via acquisitions, such as Micronor, or license agreements, such as Vicence or through our organic research and development. Gross margin for the quarter remained relatively flat at 62% versus 60% in Q2 2020, and increased 13% compared with Q3 2019. Our gross margin in 2020 has benefited from higher revenue volumes, which has meant that our fixed costs of sales have been amortized over a greater revenue base additionally we have realized savings in our variable costs of production by focusing on our supply chain these trends are expected to continue in the next quarter operating expenses include research and development general administration and sales and marketing costs and for the quarter were 4.5 million a 13% increase over Q2 2020, and a 45% increase over the prior comparable period. We continue to build our sales and marketing capacity with a strategic growth focus on new and existing markets. From a year-to-date standpoint, our operating expenses include an accrual associated with our profit-sharing plan to incentivize our team to deliver to our shareholders and customers and achieve our stated objectives for 2020. We continue to invest extensively in research and development, provide innovative solutions to our customers to meet their growing needs, drive new product development, and address market needs. With 3.9 million or 8% of our gross revenues already invested back into the business in 2020. Our adjusted EBITDA was six million for the quarter or 38% of revenue, which was in line with Q2 where adjusted EBITDA was six million or 37% of revenue. Adjusted EBITDA notwithstanding remained very strong with record levels reached in Q1 and Q3 and Q2 not far behind. Our net income for Q3 2020 Was 3.6 million compared with 2.7 million in Q2 2020. In Q3 2020, we recorded a half million dollar expense related to foreign exchange loss as the US dollar continued to depreciate against the Canadian. On a year to date basis, we recorded a gain of 0.7 million, which was principally caused by the rapid appreciation of the U.S. dollar against the Canadian dollar at the beginning of the year, partially offset by the losses recorded in the second and third quarter. With our financial performance discussed, I would like to now discuss our financial position. I am pleased to indicate that Photon remains in excellent financial health. Our working capital position has steadily grown over the last six, six quarters and now sits at $50.3 million versus $46.6 million at the end of Q2 2020. Outside of our continuing research and development spend, there were no significant capital investments in Q3 2020. Year-to-date investments have included the Micronor acquisition of $0.8 million and the FISENS license agreement that will serve as enablers in delivering our growth initiatives. From a borrowing perspective, the company remains debt free and is well positioned to continue to execute on its growth objectives. The company has built slightly higher inventory levels, partially in response to COVID-19 in order to meet customer requirements and inventory currently sits at $9.1 As of September 30, 2020, Photon had cash and cash equivalents of 46.6 million. In terms of outlook, as of September 30, 2020, the company had an order backlog of 27 million, which is down slightly from June 30, which was 29.7 million. Our order backlog which we defined as the unfilled value of sales orders received or scheduled for fulfillment, is subject to change and is provided as an estimate only. As mentioned earlier, we estimate that our customers have probably built additional inventory during the year. And depending on how the COVID-19 pandemic progresses, we could potentially see an impact on this in Q4 2020. With the potential impact that COVID-19 could have on both our customers and supply chain, any future estimates could change significantly. Notwithstanding, our guidance for Q4 2020 is for revenues of between 12 and 14 million. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our prepared remarks in respect of the company's financial performance and position. As Nigel said, we are delighted to be reporting another strong quarter and our company's success in meeting robust customer demand in the midst of a global crisis. I would like to now turn back to the operator for any questions. Thank you.
0: We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear it on acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. The first question comes from Amir Azot with Echelon Partners. Please go ahead.
3: Good morning, thanks for taking my questions and congrats on a strong quarter. Um, My first one is on your revenues and the outlook you provided for Q4. Um, If I'm just looking back at last quarter, um, you guided 13 to $15 million in sales. You came in a good 9% higher than the top end of your guidance. So I'm just trying to understand what drove that. Is it a case of you guys um, being perhaps too conservative or did something happen during the quarter to drive the outperformance?
1: Okay, what in the quarter we received additional demand that wasn't expected in our forecast. Um, I think as I mentioned, because we have burst capacity, we can flex our demand and capacity up very quickly. So if we are able to sort of capitalize on that opportunity and take that additional revenue. Um, if I look into the next quarter, we have, as, as you know, different ways of supplying our key customers, um, you know, whether that's through consignment inventory that's pulled, or whether we have inventory through a distributor. Um, We believe that that demand we've got forecast for Q4 is pretty robust and that we won't see an extra spike like we saw in Q3. So I think it was really just that extra spike that luckily we were able to sort of satisfy quickly.
3: Um, okay, um, you're cutting off a bit, but just like going back to that, um, can you give us any color or do you have any color on what's what drove that's um, increased demand during the quarter? Um, is it again like clients being cautious as we're seeing a second wave or do you think that's, um, you know, like driven by industry strength in general?
1: It's a mixture of things. I think there's some industry strength that's clearly there. I think you're seeing still concerns around COVID coming for the second wave, and you've seen that pretty dramatic increase across Europe and the US. And I think the other bit, which again, it's it's hard to predict the impacts of all these things together. But I believe even with some of the China uncertainty, um, clearly some of our key customers are applying for certificates and doing the right compliance for our shipments. I think there are maintaining building some tools For those opportunities but also because I think underlying demand is there anyway. Um, Even if the restrictions around China are maintained, that that demand has to be picked up somewhere else in the supply chain and therefore that could lead to other investments um, outside of China. So it's, it's, I think all of the OEMs are just trying to make sure that they are cautious and well positioned for whatever comes in the next quarter and therefore I think we saw some additional pull uh, in the, in Q3. Hopefully that covers a few reasons why it could have happened. But certainly, the, for me, the fact we had the ability to sort of suddenly increase capacity, make the extra shipment, shows the actually the resilience and capability we have in our operations here.
3: Great, great. Okay, then maybe another question on revenues, but more big picture. Um, you guys are outgrowing the semicap industry by a big margin in 2020. As you guys mentioned, you're nearly doubling your sales relative to last year. Then, if I compare your sales of 2020 relative to two years ago, which was your previous records, um, 2020 is looking a good 30 to 40% higher. Um, And in that same time period, the semi cap industry is maybe up 8 to 10%. So I, I was interested to get your thoughts on the drivers there. How much, how much of it is you guys actually gaining market share? Um, how much um, of it is maybe increased intensity of sensors and chambers? Um, you know, like you guys like spoke to the NPI being 20 or 25% of revenues, but it still doesn't account for all this outperformance we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, clearly...
1: Um... Some of the information is pretty competitive, but we have made a significant gains over the last two years at one of the key customers, and therefore there's a significant part of that outperformance through that market share gain. And that's been a real focus of our technology, not just the actual fundamental technology, but the quality of our products as well. I think that helps drive market penetration so there's an element of market share gain over the two years. We've also brought through some new technologies so we talk about I know it's, we talk about the percentage but we've talked about uh, the multi-channel converter that we brought through around a year ago and that really has helped us um, strengthen our position with all of our customers um, and that technology has been adopted because it has enabled them to reduce footprint it's enable them to reduce some of the overall cost as we move from sort of four individual converters into one multi-channel that's much more compact uh, and therefore has actually been a technology that's enabled them to design into their latest generation process tools a reduced footprint and has enabled us to sort of gain some share. Um, the other thing we've seen in the process tool environment is in, in some of the newer technologies they've looked at actually putting temperature sensing not just around the wafer where our traditional success has been around the electrostatic chuck, but looking at windows. So we've actually gained some share by getting sensors onto the windows inside a process chamber. Why is that important? As we look at chamber-to-chamber matching and the end users driving to have every tool matching the next tool, they are increased, starting to increase the number of sensors inside a chamber. A lot of those go into prototypes and then they do um, sort of qualification and then take the data from that to help them optimize the process tool. So we have seen some additional share through gaining some sensors onto windows inside the process chamber. So hopefully those two points give you a bit of clarification of why we've outperformed the market and our peers.
3: Yeah, that's that's very helpful. Um, maybe a couple for, for Damian. Um, like your, your growth margin is tracking well above uh, your usual in your prepared remarks um i think you stated that it's fixed cost leverage and supply chain savings um i'm just trying to get a sense of your thoughts there and how, how should we think about that going forwards um and i'm not sure if you're willing to share that on the call um you know like is your bill of material like significantly lower relative to a year or two years ago
2: yeah i guess look we're not providing any uh <sighs> particular guidance for our margins going forward, but the the one comment or a couple of comments that I would add is that this year we have started a significant supply chain initiative where we're looking at effectively cost savings and how we can do things better. So I think we're certainly reaping the rewards there. Um, As you know, supply chain benefits will continue uh, onwards, so we'll reap those benefits uh, each year and each quarter. I think the big driver, that, and when we've been analyzing the costs and the margins, is our fixed costs. I think that being amortized over the larger revenue base has a significant impact on our margin, um, so we're certainly enjoying those benefits. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously very positive at 62% for the quarter, 61 for the year to date. Um, yeah, Hopefully it holds in there, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes off a wee bit
3: okay great um then on your g n a um in the m d n a it says there's a one off consultancy expense um how much is that
2: um we we haven't we haven't disclosed that and and we wouldn't attend to okay um
3: maybe one last one um nigel like how are, how are conversations evolving with your customers as we look into twenty twenty one um, there's obviously been a lot of noise about the export export ban on SMIC, which which you spoke about a bit, uh, but it doesn't seem to have impacted the outlook uh, much for the semicap players. And, and I think I agree with your viewpoints that this demand has to be satisfied uh, one way or another. Um, so I'm just wondering, like relative to the last conference call, how how are conversations evolving with customers as we start to look
1: into 2021? Yeah, I mean, we've listened to our customers' conference calls as well. I mean, they are not putting any actual firm numbers for 2021 out till their next calls. Um, And and we, as you know, typically just give one quarter ahead. But I think overall we're seeing positive trends, which I think will run into 2021. Um, I think the demand is staying strong. Um, You know, people were talking about... increasing impact of sort of high performance computing. As we look into AI and machine learning that needs additional computing power and so on and that drives additional needs for semiconductors. It's difficult to say how big that market will be but that's one key driver. We're also seeing 5G. I think if you think about the acceleration of industry 4.0 and automation, 5G is going to come through stronger. Uh, That will drive demand, that will drive demand for tools, and that will drive demand for us. So I think fundamentally, there's a lot of good drivers for increased semiconductor demand and long-term semiconductor growth as we sort of look into 2021. Um, But to give you an actual number, I think it'd be too early to do that, but I think I'm overall positive about the outlook. Maybe
3: just one last one. On the Wuhan in Korea, um Can you give us more color there like how large are they are they mostly focused on metrology uh then how did that relationship come about
1: yeah so so Wu won um i've I've known dr o who's the principal there from he he worked in Edwards for me twenty odd years ago um so they've grown into a very strong um, s- s- distributor of international equipment and they've probably got about twenty to thirty um Key people across semiconductor, scientific, medical, metrology, instrumentation. So they've got a very broad uh, capability, um, a very strong distributor, um, and we're very, very pleased to have managed to secure them to take us forward in career. So it really moves us up into a, you know, a very robust, um, established distributor, um, and we believe they will help us. Penetrate that market and look not just into semiconductor, but into look at other sectors as well. So, and they're well respected in the semiconductor industry. So, I'm, I'm I'm delighted to welcome them into our sort of family as as our new distributor in Korea.
3: Great, thank you.
0: The next question is from Kevin Krishnaratne with Eight Capital. Please go ahead.
4: Hey there. Uh, good morning, uh, guys um question just on on revenue and how to think about you know um you know how it evolves over the coming quarters i can appreciate the commentary you made on you know for this q4 there might be uh, some uh, some order pull in uh, some higher than inventory some higher uh, inventory demand being built at your customers but i'm just wondering under more normalized times can you remind us what the typical lead time is between say you booking revenue and then the customer delivering an order and i guess the question is from from a lot of the commentary, it looks you know like the industry uh, memory capex is up next year um, I think there's some question around how the you know the um the break breakdown of that looks. Some think it might be more back end loaded so I'm just wondering you know as you think about you know your revenue profile in in say Q1, would that be in advance of deliveries at your customers in Q2? Is it a three month uh, lead time? Is it greater than that? I'm just trying to understand uh, as we start to get reports on the industry uh, makeup, how we can think about how to model uh, the revenue profile for, for Photon.
1: Yeah, I think um, the one thing we know about the semiconductor world is that quarterly forecasting is always challenging, and there will always be fluctuations. So quarter to quarter, there will be variations as we go through, whether it be 2021 or 2022. That's a nature of the industry, um, and I think that's going to be, you know, in- increased volatility because of COVID and other things in China and the outcomes of elections and so on. So I think we'll still see that variability by quarter. Um, Which is something we've talked about, I think, on every single call. Um, I think, you know, overall the business, um, trying to understand the sort of future forecasts. If you look at our business and how we run it, um, we actually supply, you know, sort of one key OEM through consignment inventory at their hubs. So that inventory is on um, a long term purchase agreement. Um, and those purchase agreements can go out a sort of six-month time, so we, we pull against that forecast. Um, and, and as they take the material out into the build program, then that revenue gets recognised. So it's, it's 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 always a bit of a complex one to answer because not all of our order intake and our demand is driven by actual orders coming in each month because we have this this benefits of this long-term sort of purchase agreements. Um, We also manage some of the business in Asia through distributors, and distributors hold several months in inventory, and they flex their inventory levels to to meet the demand of their customers as well. Um, So I think think it's quite difficult to say, is there a a given lead time? I think we have, I'd say, visibility going out around the six-month period, um, and that gives us confidence that we should see continued demand over the next couple of quarters um but it's always difficult to give the exact details because of that fluctuations and variability i hope that helps in question, but I hope that helps you no
4: know, it's helpful the additional detail there between the different types of customers and distributors uh, that is helpful i can completely appreciate how complica- com- complex the, the problem is to manage so i appreciate that um you, you, so, Nigel, you mentioned, um, in, in September, you started to see shipments, uh, on, on the deposition side. I'm wondering if you can maybe dig in a little bit more there. Um, I, obviously, without giving anything too competitive away, but with regards to your product offering, just, uh, help us understand, um, maybe the specific application that the, was there, you know, is it a competitive displacement? How do you, you know, remind us how Photon, uh, you know, may beat out the competition there with regards to whether it's your uh, your accuracy or your footprint, um, you know, ability to be a smaller footprint. I'm just wondering if you can dig in a little bit deeper um, on that particular win uh, and, uh, and how it's progressing.
1: Yeah, if you look at some of the industry reports and some of the filings and some of the patents and some of the technology shifts around deposition, um, some of the deposition processes are going to more complex um, structures. I mean, I think anyone who reads um, the data around the future generation chips with 160 layers and 3D and and all the complexities around designing the latest generation and the next nodes of technology, within deposition you're looking for more complexity, you're looking for sort of higher temperatures, and you're seeing RF um, being more prevalent in that sector as well. And if you think about our technologies, we come into our own where customers have technology challenges, we have an RF environment um, and we have temperature challenges. So that's enabled us to um, replace some traditional um, technologies around thermocouples with latest technology, uh, fiber optic sensing. So it's, 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 it's a shift from a different type of technology where the requirements of the customers need the fiber optic capabilities. And that's enabled us to get some success and penetration into deposition. It's early days. I mean, you know, we've talked about many times from discussing a challenge, developing a product, going into trials with customers. That can take six to 12 months before you see that into material revenues. But I think we will see revenues in 2021 coming through from deposition.
4: Okay, very good. Thanks for that. Uh, great to hear. Um, maybe the last one both you know, both nigel and Damien again, I know you're not going to give guidance specifically on next year, but I guess as you're just thinking about your budget for next year how do we how do we think about the different drivers i'm wondering you, you talked about your um you know your the opportunity in in r and d and technology so i'm wondering how you're thinking about headcount um are you putting out recs now for for engineers what are you looking for there uh, on the sales front? Perhaps this year you might have saved in a way in terms of some travel and, and, and marketing expense like many people, um, many other businesses have. I'm wondering if you think that's going to rebound, uh, or is, are, are you going to be able to leverage lean on distributors and, you know, other parties, uh, more, um, you know, as a way to, to, to have a more efficient sales, sales, uh, you know, model. Just, just curious about any high level thoughts as we, as we think about you know, looking out to 2021 on some of the, uh, the moving, bigger moving pieces on OPEX?
1: If I answered answer that first, just let Damien add to that. Um, it's critical for us to maintain investments in technology and R&D. Um, that will require, as you say, additional headcount of the right skills. So we will continue to look to bring in additional capability in the R&D and technology space. We'll also look to invest in, in latest technologies around in sort of rapid prototyping and so on. So as we look at technology and, and strengthen the team, we'll look at things like sort of 3D printing and look at what things we can do to really broaden and build a stronger capability. So, so we'll maintain that as we look at the budget and we we're in the middle of that cycle as we speak. Um, we will look at the requirements for technology and R&D and, and capital around that and build that into next year's budget. So absolutely, we'll con- we will not, lose focus on driving technology because it is fundamental to the future of the company. Um, from the sales side, um, I hope we'll be able to travel and, and visit customers And, and, and again, um, you know, I, I think it's important that not just myself but engineers and technology also get in front of customers with the sales teams um, but I think you're right, I think 2021 will see limited travel um, and therefore we will rely on A very strong distributor network in Asia to be our real face and contact with customers Um, but we have a very strong team also in in the USA who will help to make sure we have build and maintain our strong connections there but I think yeah I think we'll probably have to strengthen some of the teams um, as we look for building new opportunities especially when we look outside of semiconductor you know how can we build and look at you know other markets to complement our semiconductor business um, but you're right, I think travel and other costs will probably stay down through certainly the first half of next year, but, but maybe longer. And Damien, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think just uh, on a sales and
2: marketing uh, perspective for a start, yeah, we, we need to make sure that we're addressing our customers' uh, needs. Uh, we have lots of opportunities there and we want to continue to grow. So I think we will probably continue to invest in sales and marketing to make sure we're meeting our customers' needs and seizing upon the opportunities that come to us and the others that we see in the marketplace. I, I, I agree with Nigel in respect of the um, R&D costs. Yeah, we have the Fisons technology with the FBG, which is which is huge and will be a game changer for us. We need to invest in that and continue that development. Um, Nigel talked about the MC5, we need to make sure that we're getting ahead of the competition and looking at uh, next generation opportunities and whatever that might bring in the market. So again, that's investment. Um, And I think one of the things we we continue to highlight over the calls is the R&D spend, you don't see the benefit of it immediately. You see the benefit after a year or two. So we need to make sure we're continuing to invest now to ensure our future. Um, and sees all the growth, growth opportunities that we've got in front of us.
4: Great, great, very, very helpful. Uh, thanks for all of the color. Um, congrats on a good quarter and uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you.
0: Thanks Kevin. The next question is from Daniel Rosenberg with Paradigm. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks, I had a follow up uh, to the um, reasons behind the long-term success that you guys have seen. So you mentioned you know, part of it is uh, the multi-channel converter and uh, cross-selling there, as well as winning a larger chunk uh, of uh, your products, getting placed into the windows um, on the processes. I, I was wondering, how much further is it? What, what inning are you in, in terms of these tailwinds helping you win a greater piece of your
1: customers' spend? I think an interesting answer to that would be one of the reasons we did or done the, the Fisons partnership is we believe that they have unique technology. Um, it builds on some of the R&D work we did over the last 12 months around FBG internally. Yeah, that technology is a way of actually putting 20 to 30 measuring points onto one fiber. Traditionally today you have one sensor per fiber and we take four of those fibers through a controller. So now you're suddenly getting a new technology that enables a lower cost per point, enables flexibility because it's a very fine wire that can sort of snake around certain parts inside or outside the process chamber. So I think For me, it's it's early days yet to decide how big an impact that will be for the company. But I think securing that technology and having that exclusive license for semiconductors is going to enable us to deploy the FPG technology into some evaluations in 2021. And I think that will help us bring in a new revenue stream in the sort of 2022 timeframe. So I think by using technology, we're going to open up areas that might need sensing we haven't even thought about today because it's bringing a a unique, differentiated technology into the market. So we are having discussions with the OEMs at the moment. We're looking to put evaluation units out um, over the next two quarters, um, and that will hopefully drive into additional revenue in the future. So that's probably one of the key things we've done, and that's why we did the FISENSE deal. And
5: as it relates to FISENSE, in terms of exploring new use cases, any color you could give on on the product development roadmap for you? And as you pilot these types of applications, um, are these things that you can monetize at the same time? Are are they meaningful to your overall revenue run rate?
1: I think over the next sort of three to five years, they'll be meaningful to the revenue run rate. Um, What we're also doing in parallel is as I touched on, we've taken a sort of non-exclusive arrangement for the non-semiconductor sector and we've taken our first orders into of the existing technology from FISENS um, for a non-semiconductor application in the USA. So, so I think we'll get some learning in the non-semiconductor sector, which will help us look at how we can accelerate the technology for semiconductor.
5: Uh, Lastly for me, just we have seen a ton of M&A activity in the uh, broader semi-space. I was wondering how you view it uh, as it relates to your business. Does it uh, change any of your thoughts around um, the way you're running your operations?
1: Um, No, I I think, you know, for us, there's been been some major sort of consolidation acquisitions in the sort of semi-end-user space and stuff which, you know, will, will give boosts and strength and investments, I think. I think, you know, if you're talking about that sort of Hynix and Intel and so on, I think it's going to absolutely, you know, long-term will be good for the industry. Um, for us, it's about looking for what acquisitions or what we want to do to, you know, utilize our cash to either do partnerships or acquisitions. So we're maintaining a review of, of what potential M&As out there that actually could complement the business. So. I think it's always good that there's activity in the market, and we're continuing to look at what that could mean for us.
5: Okay, great. Congrats on a great quarter. I'll pass along. Thanks.
1: Thank you.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press a star, then one. The next question is from John Sarts with Viking Capital. Please go ahead.
3: Good morning. Um, I'm, uh, one of my concerns is uh, uh, customer concentration. I was wondering what proportion of your business is, or uh, uh, what your proportion of revenue is, uh, is represented by the three largest uh, customers.
2: Damon, do you want to cover that one? I, I think, John. Look, we, we don't tend to disclose that because uh, it's obviously very uh, sensitive from a um, uh, competition perspective but you, know, you could probably comfortably say that over 90% of our revenue is from those, you know, from three you know, significant players. Um, we are looking at diversifying that, um, but it is also the nature of the
1: industry. I don't know if Nigel has anything. Yeah, to and that. I think if, if you look at what we're trying to do, I mean, one of the things we've just done in the last year, you know, you know acquisitions are possible in, the, in this pandemic environment. We acquired Micronor. Um We're using that as a, as a base to start building some revenues, that probably at about 450,000 Canadian last quarter. Um, that's And that's sales into other sectors other than the semiconductor. So it's not just about looking about how we spread our risk within semiconductor by looking at the other players in that market, but also how we look at beyond that. It's going to take time, but over the next few years, you'll see us look at other sectors outside of semiconductor. So in our sort of three to five year horizon, we're looking to build outside the semiconductor and, and microdore and was the first step on that journey. I think, John, just perhaps
2: one further comment on the customer diversification. I think it's important to realize that we have a number of different products on a number of different process tools. And with the copy exactly, it does get baked in. So it's not easy for a customer to change out um and it would wouldn't necessarily be a change out across a whole lot of process tools either, so the I think that the varying products on the different process tools helps to address some of that customer um, diversification uh, concerns
1: okay Alrighty. thank you so much. Thank you, thank you.
0: There are no more questions registered at this time. Mr. Hansen. the floor is back to you for any closing remarks.
1: Thank you. Um, Appreciate everyone's questions. Um, And I'd like to again sort of thank our suppliers, employee shareholders for all the support we've had through this what has been a challenging year. And I'm very excited about the future. So again, thank you for your participation. I look forward to the next call.
0: concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.